This evening we're going to talk about a presence-based generation. A presence-based generation. And uh, the, the quest for posterity. Posterity is that thing that is in all of us. The desire to exist much longer than the price or the expiry date. Genesis describes the life of man as having lived 600 and something, 900 and something. But as the chapters proceed, we start coming down to 120, down to 70. Now we're at what? 40? 40 something. The life expectancy of any nation has been either going up or being static, but it has never gone up to 900. The question of posterity is, 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 is at the heart of what we call generations. And that's why we name our children after ourselves or after our parents. So that even though they are gone, they are present. The Tower of Babel was an effort to exist much longer than they did. Let us build a tower high enough that we might be remembered. The whole idea of a monument, a monument for these people who died in war, a monument for these people who had an accident, a monument, a monument, is for what? Remembrance. We want to exist much longer than our bodies can allow. Let us turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Verse 4 says, A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth continually remains. We have been placed in a setting that remains long after we are gone. We have been given an opportunity to exist in a thing that doesn't really seem to die. We are the ones who come in and we are the ones who go. The whole idea of looking for anti-aging creams and anti-aging this and anti-aging that is to beat that expiry date. Eat healthy, eat eggs, don't eat eggs. Eat fat, cholesterol is good for you, it's not good for you. All that is at the heart of living longer. You must do exercise. Too much exercise is bad for your heart. Who has the right answer? And yet the Bible declares that a generation will still come and a generation will go. So the whole idea of a generation is not just limited to us. In fact, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. When God is dealing with Abraham, Abraham is speaking in terms of sons. God is speaking in terms of generations. He's saying, I want a son who will be an heir. That is just immediate property and things. But God is talking about children that will be as many as the sand. And I'm sure they're not all born at once. Meaning the name of Abraham continues. To this day we are still singing, Father Abraham, 
So Abraham did actually beat this thing. He found the password for the quest of posterity. And that is what I want us to look at today. Amen. There are many things Ecclesiastes talks about. Verse 11 of the same chapter says, There is not a memory for former things. And moreover, there will, be, there will not be a memory for things that come after. We are in a cycle of things coming and things going. We are in a cycle of putting laws in place and then tomorrow something else comes and takes them over. But as I read this scripture, there is no remembrance for former things. Then what's the point of all the building we do? Behold, Nakuma Chuke is no longer. But there's someone who took a picture with that building. And now they can't explain where that picture was taken. How many things have been built that have disappeared? We cherish the memory of Rome when we look at the Colosseum. But it's in ruins. It's not something beautiful to behold. It's just a glimpse of what it was. I'm sure if the, the guys who were there in Rome at that time came and saw what we are preserving, they'd be so heartbroken because they saw the glory of what it was. In Genesis, in Genesis we see a beautiful thing. We see God, chapter 1, the story of creation, you all know it. We see God creating man and woman. And, and there's a fellowship, there's an interaction going on at this point. There's a fellowship and an interaction going on. And he's not delegating his presence. He's coming himself. And that's why when he comes and after they have sinned, they run away from the presence of God. That, that, that section gets me thinking. What is it about the presence of God that they feared? Tell your neighbor, do you want to live longer? Do you want to live longer? Have they said yes? Have they said yes? Do they know what that means? Do you know what it means to live longer? Are you willing to pay the price is the question I'm asking. Or is it just for the sake of there was a woman called Jemima and she used to sit here and she was mom's friend. It was the presence of God that gave Adam dominion. It is presence that lays the foundation for authority. I want you to shelve in your mind the aspect of generation. We've talked about generations. Yeah? We've understood them. The need to exist. The need to have impact beyond your lifespan. But there's a connection between generations and the presence of God. There's a connection between a more lasting impact and the presence of God. And that is what I seek to share with us today. Amen?
God gives Adam authority. What is authority? Maybe let's dwell there just a bit. What is authority? It's the power to do something, isn't it? It's, it's, it's almost the right. How can I even explain authority? When we have our able professor here, who remembers this, the topic on authority we shared? How many were there for that meeting? And it was powerful. The policeman carries the authority of the government. His very presence implies the government is present. As we might dare say, the very presence of mom implies that dad is arrived. Isn't it? But God puts such an emphasis on presence. He gives Adam authority. He gives him authority over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the plants and everything. And tells him to rule. He tells him to, to multiply. But at this point, Adam still doesn't know why. God has given him his has created him in his image and his likeness. God is literally replicating his own self to be present everywhere. And Adam has the privilege of carrying that presence before the elephants, carrying that presence before the donkeys, carrying that presence before the crabs and insects. But that presence only thrives when there's no sin. Because when sin comes into the picture, Adam cannot now stand the very identity that he was made of. He hears the Lord walking in the garden and he hides. Something has happened. Something has changed. What did the enemy know about Adam's identity that Adam didn't know about himself? Why didn't he convince Eve to eat from the tree of life? Why was it about the tree of good and evil? Questions and questions and questions. But when God created you, when God created me, he intended for fellowship. He intended for lasting communion. And he was so disappointed when he discovered that they had sinned, when he discovered that they had lost the very thing that he had given them, dominion, the very emblem of who he is. For he is the creator, he is the beginning, he is the end. He has given them himself and they have traded it for a fruit. Was it a pineapple? Maybe. Because a pineapple is very sweet. It's very tempting. Eh? Was it an apple? Probably a banana. What was this fruit that it was so sweet that they had to give up something? How many times do you have the presence of God and you trade it in very easily for anything? Because you don't understand what that presence opens for you. 
How many times does the opinion of people stop you from launching deeper in your worship? How many times does the opinion of, of or just the feeling of they are watching me? Do you ever wonder why those guys like sitting at the back? Because they know there's no one else behind them. Amen? No? At least they have one convert. There's no one else behind them. It's a thing we've had. But anyway, let me not dwell there too long. There are many times we are not aware of the presence of God. Turn with me to Genesis. Genesis 28. Genesis 28. Verse 11 to 16. Genesis 28:11 to 16. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and lay down in that place to sleep. Continue. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the on the earth and it's top reached to the heavens and their angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the Lord stood above it and said I am the Lord God of Abraham your father the God of Isaac the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants as your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, you shall spread abroad the west, abroad to the west and the east, and to the north and to the south, and you, and in you, and in your seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. Presence. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Presence. Why is God giving himself? I am with you, he tells Joshua. I am with you, he tells Moses. I am with you. Jesus tells the disciples, I am with you. To the end of the age, I am with you. What is it about his presence? And the blessing he gives to Jacob at this point is not just confined to Jacob. He's talking about generations. So I will be with you for generations until I fulfill what I have spoken. I am with you. I will be with you. I am with you. He shows up in, in, in Aden because he wants to be with them. He wants to commune with them. He wants to commune with you. The whole idea of worship is not so that he can feel big and you feel small about yourself. The whole idea of worship is so that he is with you. A bruised reed he will not break. A, a flickering wick he will not snuff out. Meaning that even when you come and you're broken and you're torn and you're dirty and everything, he's not concentrating on 
that in his mind Jemima is here Adam Adam where are you Adam Adam where are you Jacob is in a place that is holy but he doesn't know it how many times are we in the presence of God and we don't know it Verse 16 he says Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said Surely the Lord is in this place And I did not know it Surely the Lord has traveled with you on long journeys And you don't know it And then you take on battles That he is well equipped to do Daniel here says For the people that know their God shall do what? Shall be strong Knowing him, you have him with you. He has made you a temple. That he might dwell with you. That he might give you a longevity that your flesh cannot withstand. A generation comes and goes. If we look at our generation from the perspective of you and me, it will be one of those that comes and goes. But the cross, can I dare say today, gives us an opportunity to be a generation that carries the presence of God. Long after Billy Graham is dead, we still acknowledge his work in the kingdom. Long after Catherine Kuhlman is gone, we still remember there was a woman who sought the Lord. The whole idea of creating man was that heaven might be here. Can I tell you that heaven in itself is nothing without the presence of God. It becomes a void, it becomes another galaxy so to speak. It is the presence of God that makes heaven heaven. It is the presence of God that gives you identity. It is the presence of God that confirms who you are. It is the presence of God that confirms that thing in you that you're not too sure what to do. What did Jacob do after this point? Jacob was bolder. He knew he was a thief. But he carried with him a promise. God even introduces himself to Moses. I am the God of Abraham. One generation. Isaac. And Jacob. And when he talks about visiting the sins of the fathers to the first and second generation. So it is not skewed, it is not wrong that we consider generation. It is not wrong that we consider posterity. But God has a different perspective about it. That if you try to do it your way, you fail. But if you allow him to permeate the generation of the minor family, If you allow him to use you 
to reach your generation. Then your name like Abraham, your name like Jacob, becomes part of his testimony. Today we still pray and say, God of Abraham. But Abraham paid a price. Abraham paid a price. He let go of the fathers, the gods of his fathers. He left his city. He left his country. He left except for Lot, who was that one thing on his leg. But eventually, he had to let him go. It's not new that we struggle. It's not new that we struggle to set ourselves apart. It is possible to be in the presence of God and not know it. Kindly turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 verse 2. This is the story of Moses in the mountain. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, somebody say looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Continue. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn. So the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Back to the previous verse. Verse 4. So the Lord did what? So that he turned aside to look. Moses noticed something. It was after Moses noticed something that the Lord called him. The bush was there. But he could have continued with his flocks and said, a strange sight that is. And continued feeding his sheep. But he decided, I will turn aside and see. What are those areas in the presence of God where you say, this thing about tongues, can I try it out and see what happens? This thing about praying at three in the morning, can I tie it out and see what happens? For the place he was, was holy ground. There he was walking with his sandals all over the place. Chafua, chafua, nyumba ya baba. But God drew closer to him because he got his attention. The Lord is always around you, always talking to you. We always say, then something told me. Usiende uko, enda uko. Then I felt something within me. That something is where you were meant to be from the beginning. That something is where we were meant to be from the beginning. That something is who we were meant to be with all the time. That something was the one supposed to answer the questions about why are you this height? 
my daughter was asking me why she's very slender. And I told her, for the purpose that God has for you to do, you have to be that small. If you are any bigger, you will not fit in the keyhole of destiny. For you. But because we don't know who we are, we get lost. We, we take on the wrong projects. We take on the wrong businesses. And still we are pursuing generations, isn't it? We are pursuing posterity. We are pursuing something that will show that I've done something in this generation. That's why we are prone to witchcraft. Any shortcut will do as long as it gets you there. Any shortcut will do as long as it gets you there. But Moses was not the only one who did not know that the presence of God was there. We have Balaam. He doesn't even find it strange. That is in Numbers. Numbers 22, 31. He doesn't find it strange that a donkey is, is refusing. He can't see. To the point where a donkey can see that there's an angel there. But you... Who is made in the image and the likeness of God? How blind can we be? Then the Lord opened his eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. His sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell on his face. What is it? Why didn't God just give up on creation? Now Adam has sinned. People are terrible. They went away from the presence of God. Cain has killed Abel. And the chain goes on and the chaos continues. Why is he so bent on restoration? You could say that God doesn't waste things. He doesn't just throw away like most of us do. Asita no ingine. But God doesn't do that. Because he seeks someone to commune with. He seeks that connection. When he created Adam, he gave a part of himself. I will make him in our image and our likeness. He's seeking himself. There's a thing he used from himself to bring worship to himself. It wasn't enough that there's Father, Son, and Spirit. There's communion that he sought. When we talk about heaven, we talk about it in terms of being in the presence of God forever. We are not time-bound Again, we seek posterity. Heaven is, 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 is more amplified because it is much longer than our lives, isn't it? We say for eternity, we will sit before his throne for eternity. That tag there. But the Lord is saying, the key is his presence. That's why David asks, shall we go? Shall we pursue? 
Moses says if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Jesus tells the disciples, stay in Jerusalem for I'm sending you help. You were never meant to engage without him. You were never meant to engage anything without him. How many times do we bring spouses before his throne and say, Father, stamp this one. This is the one I like. How many times do we start projects without his approval? Can we restore him back to his place? The order of things. That way, our lifestyle becomes worship to him. Our decision making becomes worship to him. What is the impact of the presence of God in our lives? Psalm 97 says the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Psalm 114 verse 7. The earth trembles at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord. The Psalms are filled with those scriptures. At the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord. Then how come we've never logged into this thing? How come we've never committed to say, I will be the kind of person that seeks the presence of the Lord? That if God is not in this meeting, I'm going home. That if God is not in this decision, there's no point in being here. Because we like to say he's our Lord and Savior. Isn't it? That is from him to us. What about us to him? What about us to him? What are we giving him? Not that we have anything that would qualify for a king like him. But can we give him the honor that he deserves? Can we give him the honor that he deserves? Can we give him the the place that he deserves? The presence of God is not just about the good things we gather from the presence. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 26 unleashes another version that comes still in the presence of God. There's judgment at the presence of God. I beheld and indeed the fruitful land was the wilderness and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. It comes with a personality that makes an impact that you don't always have to explain yourself. How is it that you are favored before this person? It wasn't you in the first place. It is the Lord. How is it that your family has access to things? People sit at that bench for a long time. But families, if you look at families that have a praying mother, a praying father somewhere, you'll have even the most rowdy children just making it. And they think it's their strength until the Lord Stands with a sword like Balaam there. And they're like, they don't understand why it's not working. Grandma's prayers could only take you so far. 
you have to invest your own. You have to invest your own. How do we invoke the presence of God? How do we bring in the presence of God? Before we move on to that, Psalm 42 verse 5 says, He received help from the presence of God. Can I challenge you to just do a study on what the presence of God can do for you? Just God. Yani, you're, you're in the middle of a crisis. Your job should not be to figure out how to get out. It's just invoke the presence of God. Because when we say the battle belongs to the Lord, he can't fight a battle where he's not. He has to show up. When we say the Lord will raise up a standard, he has to be there to raise up the standard. When he calls us salt and light, it's not our personality, our beauty, or anything. It is him being in us. Because he is the light of men. When he calls us a temple, we are a dwelling place for him. And that is the only way, brothers and sisters, you're going to outlive your parents' name. You're going to outlive this flesh by engaging in the assignment that God has for you. That your praise, your worship, your everything is geared towards having him elevated above everything you know. Let's look at Joel chapter 3 verse 20. Joel chapter 3 verse 20. But Judah shall abide forever and Jerusalem from generation to generation. Why not Israel at this point? We know that by this time the, the kingdom had been split. But Judah remains not because Judah was so worthy. There's a man before that. There's a man that paid a price. There's a man that paid a price. What was his name? David. David was engaging with God. So much so that even when judgment came down, because of that fellowship, he said, I will split the kingdom, but from you there will always be. There will always be someone on the throne. It is because of being in the presence of God that David could dare say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Because he has seen something greater than this giant. He has encountered something greater than this giant. Joel 3.20 not only talks about Judah as a tribe. Judah represents praise. Judah represents worship. Judah carried something that will be, the Bible is saying, will carry from generation to generation. Why? Because it gives you access. It gives you access to the very thing that we think we lost. When God gave a punishment to Adam and Eve, He did not just punish Adam or punish Eve. Genesis 3.15 talks about 
his offspring. He will cause enmity to be between his offspring and her offspring. The snake. The impact of everything you do is not just about you. It's about your children and your children's children. So you better treat it with more care. Just because you don't see them doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It matters. How many times have we at this altar prayed against generational curses? How many times have we cried out to God on behalf of our families? Why? Because we appreciate that there's a link. But what if we turn the clock and say, I will start a generation that worships God. I will start a generation that carries the presence of God. I will be a Judah in my home. I will be that priest that God can count on. That I will be that generation. I will be those people that God says, I looked around. Shall I hide anything from my friend Abraham? Look in that city for anyone who knows the Lord. Time and time again, instructions are given. Paul is being told to go to Ananias, was it? The one who prayed for his eyes. That one. Were there no other people in that city? They were there. But someone had been told that there's a man coming who needs to be ministered to. He can't know that outside the presence of God. He can't stumble on that information. He has to engage to know that it is time to build the tent. It's time to set it down. The children of Israel look at the fire by night and the cloud by day. And that's what they're following. Time and time again in the Bible, we have that picture, but we don't pick it. Or at least I didn't pick it until recently. Follow his presence. Follow his presence and some of the battles you're fighting will not have to be fought. We have said very many prayers at this altar. The last couple of weeks we've engaged in just praise and worship. Why? Because there are battles that only the heavens can fight. We don't need an explanation. Turn around seven times. Might not work. Just get God here. And let's see who can stand. We just sang. What was that song? The last song we sang. The team was failing to wind down. Our God is great. And if our God is for us. Who can stand against us? His desire for fellowship, his desire for worship is not just about winning your battles. It's about you. He loves you. Deal with it. No, I mean sometimes you really want an explanation. So God, like today, 
I had a testimony. Was it because I prayed in the morning? We tried to justify it. Why can't the answer just be love? Why did he create us in the first place? He created us for fellowship. He created us for dominion. He created us to show his strength. He gives us a chance to be in a place where we exercise free will to give him worship without him taking it from us by force. He is God, remember. He can make you do anything. But he says, test me and see. He is not insecure in himself. It's insecure people that are very controlling. Do you know that? I shouldn't go there. Sindhya. Might lose some people. Because you think you don't have a hold on it, you will lose it. The Lord says, let them go to the earth and see if they won't worship me. This is a contest between him and the enemy. See if they won't worship me. And he's counting on you to still say, Lord, you're able. To still say, Lord, you're mighty. To still say, Lord, I believe you exist on this earth where we can't see you. We began in heaven, didn't we? I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Where was that knowing? And then you're set in a setting where now you can't feel him. You can't touch him. But by faith, you need to know that he's there. For the people that know him, shall be strong and shall do what? What are these exploits? Is it being naughty? You see dead people, you see where are the dead people? Where are the dead people? I have Jesus with me right now. It is sleeping in the storm. It is turning water into wine. It's being okay with being born in a manger. Even though you own the cows and the wood. And the inn keeper's house. It's being humble. It's being able to be okay. To know you're powerful. But you don't have to spread your weight around. Because that's the God he is. And that's the challenge to us as human beings. In this lifetime. So what's the posture that we should take to achieve? Apostle gave me a challenge to show us how to bring the presence. I don't know. I don't know how. But I'll share something from First Kings chapter 8. First Kings chapter 8, verse 22. Presents us with a man worshipping God, but he has an audience. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence 
of the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. Continue. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on the earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. So we have an audience but we have one. He's lifting up his hands. There are people around him. But he's engaging only with God. You're lifting up your hands. There are responsibilities waiting for an answer from you. But you're engaging with God. You're bowing down because you have engaged with God. You've seen this God work for you. But there are things waiting for you to give them an answer. There are things that are not right. Did God be, keep quiet on, 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 on Solomon? No. He answered him. He spoke with him. He engaged with him. He gave him a promise. But Solomon had to ignore the presence of the people. How many times have we put him the other way around? If the people say it is not time to worship, and we are not worshiping. Sindio, see your time imeisha sasa, program imesema. It's time to give. It's time for Sunday school. I face that a lot. Sometimes as you lead a service, you ask yourself, Lord, What's the time by your watch? But we have to comply. Can we make the distinction between him and the crowd and lift up our hands anyway? Can we cut the cord of opinion on us? Can we sing that song the way we feel it inside, we're not containing saying what am I making sense? It is then that our generation will matter. Because I believe Judah will outlive many other things. Judah will outlive many other things. Because praise and worship is our destination in heaven, isn't it? We'll sing before his throne forever and ever. Why? Because Jesus likes music. No, it's much more than that. It's your heart connecting with him. It's your heart saying, Lord, you're holy and meaning it. It's your heart saying, Lord, I love you and meaning it. It's your heart believing that he is able. No longer should a worship leader have to tell you, lift up your hands, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. 
you were created to worship. No more do you have to have to say, oh, the worship team, ah, today they didn't, they didn't hit the mark. You, where were you? I didn't get the key right. That's the crowd. There's a lot of noise around you as you give your worship. But if you can focus the same way I'm looking at mom and I'm talking to mom and I'm looking at her. But there's all of you there calling for attention. That's how you worship. So that even if the key goes off, team, it's okay. See, it's me and Jesus. Even if the beat, where is Bobby? Goes Paragasha, somewhere. It is me and God, isn't it? No more should the vehicle of worship stop you from worshiping. You ride on the wave. You don't become the wave. How did Paul and Silas maintain worship and praise? The kind that moves the foundations in chains. How did Daniel have lion's mouths shut engaging with him? And we still talk about it. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. What were they doing? Walking around in the fire. And we still talk about it. How many times do we think that God deserves less than you? I was in a crisis one time. And I'm closing. I was in a crisis one time where somebody came and told me. I know they meant well. And told me, what are you doing in church? A woman of your qualities. Do you know how much money they would pay for you? In the corporate world. Just say the word. I'll get you the job like this. And my heart melted. Because it's a battle I've had for a long time. I should be doing more. Isn't it? We're so self-righteous. I should be doing more. I should be earning more. But the Lord asked me one question. What makes you think I deserve less than the best? Why was the alabaster just significant? Because of its value. God does not deserve your remainders, your leftovers. He deserves the best. Give him that best and see if he will not multiply it. For that woman's name will be remembered because she broke the jar. We want to be a presence-based generation because only the presence will give us an impact for generations. Only the presence of God will give us an impact for generations. Can I invite us to stand up?
Psalm 16. We're going to pray according to Psalm 16. But even before we get into that, if this word means anything to you, why don't you just talk to him and say, Lord, make my generation matter in your calendar. Make my generation, my life, start a generation with me. He offered Moses an opportunity to do away with Israel that he might start a generation with, with Moses. Because Moses understood him. Moses reached out to him. Moses prayed to him. Moses spent time with him. But Israel chose to, to, to make a calf and insult him. Lord, can you start with me today? Can you start with me today? Can you do anything with me? If you can use anything, Lord, begin with me. I give myself to you. I stand by the authority of the cross to have access into your presence today. The cross gives me access to you, Lord. The cross tears down all the walls. The curtain was torn that I might have access to you. And come boldly, not through the blood of bulls. Not through a priest. But that I might come engage with you, O oh God. Lift up your heart to him. Feel free. Use up this space. Engage with him. Express yourself to him today. I want us to pray according to Psalm 16. Let's come together just for a moment. Let's come together. I'll read a scripture and you sing, you pray that concerning your life. Amen. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Why don't you lift up your hand and say, Lord Jesus. I can't hear you. Lord Jesus, I come by the cross of Jesus. I shed off every weight that keeps me from engaging with you. Your blood sanctifies me. And therefore I put my trust in you. I put my future in you. Why don't you just speak to the Lord? Somebody praying thanks about that. I put my trust in you, Lord. I want to start this journey of generations with you, O oh God. I put my trust in you. People of God, I put my engage with the Lord, engage with the Lord.
I put my trust in you, Lord. I put my trust in you, Lord. You're calling me to put my trust in you. Not in my own strength, but you paid the price that I might have access. You paid the price that I might stand boldly and declare that you are my strength. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I need this atmosphere to speak of the grace of God today. And you are a priest before the throne today. You have to declare with your voice. You have to speak louder than every other voice in your mind. And say, Lord, I put my trust in you. We declare to the heavenlies that the Lord is our preservation. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our preservation. The Lord is the one that we trust. I take refuge in you, Lord. I put my business in you, O God. I put my family in you, O God. Somebody put your family in the Lord. Put the family in the Lord. Declare the Lord is your refuge. In every area of your life, declare the Lord is your refuge. Hide yourself in the Lord today. Hide yourself in His presence. Hide yourself in the cleft of the rock that He might display His goodness. Hide yourself in the cleft of the rock that He might display His glory. I have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My welfare has no existence outside of you. Father, my welfare has no existence outside of you. If you believe it in your heart, declare that right now. My welfare has no existence outside of you. Outside of you I have no life. I have a semblance of life, but I don't have life. For you came that I might have life and life more abundantly. You came that I might have good health and health more abundantly. You came that I might have joy, a joy unspeakable. You came that I might have sanity. For we have not received the spirit of fear, but of love, of a sound mind. For you have said we will not leave us like orphans. But you have called us to a place of fellowship with you, O God. For the holy ones are in the Lord who are in the land. They are the majestic ones. In them is all my delight. Those who chase after other gods, their sorrow will be multiplied. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor lift their names on my lips. 
lift up your hand and say this this evening, Lord, I will not praise your enemies. I will not join the counsel of your enemies. I will not join the counsel of those who scorn you. I will not join the group that puts your name to shame. By your spirit I ask. Keep me on the straight and narrow. Come on, engage with him on that. Engage with him on that. Let's not be in a hurry. Just engage with him on that. Engage with him on that. Lord, make us more souls and light. Make us a carrier of your presence, O God. Make us a carrier of your presence. Make us a carrier of your presence. 